everyone. This is Ronnie at Everything Vive, and I'm here with Yanni Yoki. He's a director of engineering at uh, UL Benchmarks, and he's actually been a longtime uh, employee of FutureMark as well. So uh, I wanted to uh, kind of take the time to talk to him today about about what you know his career, uh, you know, at FutureMark and, and then UL Benchmarks, as well as uh, the work that they've been doing in, in VR marks, specifically relating to our podcast. So. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Yanni, and I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, yeah, like I, I we, you know, we had a, a few minutes to, to chat before uh, starting the interview, and and uh, like I was uh, kind of explaining before we started, uh, I've definitely been a, a longtime fan of FutureMark and the work that they did on uh, that that they've done on on their benchmarks for the PC. Uh, longtime user of 3D Mark specifically, I. I was looking back to try to remember uh, when I had first started using 3D Mark, and I, it looks like I don't think I, I used 99, but I used 3D Mark 2000. So I, got, I, I started my first experience with, with 3D graphics on the PC. I, th- I want to say that I, I purchased like a, a, a 3DFX Voodoo 2 back in the day, and that was kind of my like first foray into, into getting into to this hobby. So, and, and 3D Mark was, uh, you know, a, a very important tool that I, you know, back then I, I want to say it was probably more just to see all the, the amazing, you know, graphics and effects that I was able to, to run on my PC. And then later as I, you know, got more into this hobby, I, I used 3D Mark more and more for, for benchmark marking purposes for overclocking and that sort of thing. But yeah, I've been a huge fan of, of, of Future Mark's work and, and have used, uh, you know, 3D Mark for a long time, so I was kind of excited to get a chance to talk to you guys about VR Mark and, and the stuff that you're doing, uh, you know, for virtual reality as well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. 3D Mark 2000 was maybe the first like real, real benchmark. Like 3D Mark 99 and 3D Mark 99 Max, which mm-hmm. were like the, the first ones to launch on the 3D Mark brand, were. Uh, they, they were pretty good products, but 2000 was the first one we threw like lots of effort into it, and that was also like a, it spread wide and wide and far. Yeah, yeah. Also, like curiously, the the designs of the benchmarks have kind of followed the same path that you just mentioned. So originally, we spent a lot of time just making them look really cool, mm-hmm. and they were really show pieces. That one of the reasons why people downloaded them was not necessarily to even do the the measurement part, just to show off what what cool things you could do. Yeah. And as time has moved forward, we're moving more and more into the professional measurement thing, which is what the last few 3D benchmarks have been all about. They still, of course, we want to make them look cool, but we spend maybe 95% of the effort to make sure that it really measures accurately and the, the just make it look cool afterwards. Okay, and since you're the, the director of engineering, uh, you'd be a good person to ask. I, uh, what are some of the things, like, moving from, from making it look cool to making the numbers kind of mean something as far as, you know, benchmarking the, 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 the systems and, and all of that, uh, you know, what, what kind of goes into, into making those, those numbers mean something? And, and, and what are you guys usually trying to measure when, when, when developing your benchmarks? So the primary design for every FutureMark benchmark or or UL benchmark benchmark yeah. <laughs> uh, is uh, is to make sure that it evaluates uh, your device in some known 
uh, usage factor, like like game, playing a specific type of game or even using like Office PC because we have products for that purpose as well. Mm-hmm. And it, the measurement is something that real world and relevant to the end user. Okay. So we don't create something like a, like a theoretical simulation or some some outrageous small case scenario where, where you draw some kind of a weird conclusion. What we want to do is, is what, if you correlate our benchmark results with real world similar applications, you can do like a very good correlation between the two and, and see. So for example, for, for 3D Mark in particular, we do quite a bit of evaluation on actual games and then see if the frame rates and the scores we get out of 3D Mark, how well do they match the frame rates and uh, that you get from actual games when running on different hardware. And if, if you take like 10 of the popular games, take 10 to 20 different hardware configurations and, and draw a map in between, uh, your 3 Mark score uh, excessively well predicts exactly how your gaming performance would do. So that's, that's the underlying idea. And that's also what, what goes into the design. So a lot of the time we have to spend is to make sure that what we do in the 3D Mark is, is using the same techniques that games use or will use, mm-hmm. uh, that we use them in the same ratio and the same fashion. Mm. Uh, of course, because 3D Mark is always designed for the future. So the 3D Mark that we create today is, is, is really intended to be lasting for at least the next five years. Mm-hmm. We also have to evaluate like how games will behave in the future. Okay, very for this, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so for this, we uh, we talk to a lot of game developers to see what their future roadmap must look like. And of course, we do talk to a lot to the hardware vendors themselves. Uh, what new features are coming in the new hardware? How they do they envision they're going to be used? And then we design the benchmark around those those factors. Uh, the, the graphics that we do, of course, we create them in a similar fashion that, that game developers would do. Um, basically, the only thing that is different between us and them is, is that we produce content for maybe two, three minutes, whereas, of course, they have to do it for hours on end. But sure. the same methodologies, tools, everything is, is pretty much in place. Okay. And, and as far as, yeah, like uh, as far as, as the, the rating system that you guys have developed, the scoring... And I know, uh, kind of like how you had mentioned before, the, the benchmarking applications themselves have, have kind of shifted in focus more towards, you know, providing the, the feedback as far as numbers and scoring. And I know as, you know, the internets became more and more vital to the PC experience, you know, part of the fun of, of running 3D Mark and other UL benchmarks is being able to compare your scores to other people out there with, with different types of configurations to kind of see how your system's stacking up. Like, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about, uh, about how you've seen your software and your benchmarks kind of progress over the years into, into some of that. Because I know, I, I would imagine that some of these, like, you know, hardcore overclockers and all that kind of stuff didn't, didn't really exist in your early days, but it seems like they're, they're a, pretty, a pretty big part of your business now. So I, I didn't know if you want to talk, talk about that a little bit. Is that, yeah, the, the uh, idea of overclocking has existed for a very long time, but it used to be a thing that almost everybody did. It's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, when, when, when everybody was a young student who, who did this stuff, it was a way to save money. Yeah, you buy a CPU, overclock it, or a GPU, and overclock it to basically like get a slightly better system for for cheaper. 
but I think that has mostly gone away in the last five years. But it has been kind of replaced with, with this these people who do overclocking as a profession or, or at least a, like an extremely serious hobby. Mm-hmm. We're pursuing the, the performance of the PCs really just for the pursuit of performance by itself. They're not really designed to build a system that you will then use to play games. Mm. It's just to run it as fast as you can. I often like describe it as just like hot rodding your car for yeah. drag racing. Yeah. It's 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 for its own purpose and, and people love it. Especially in Asia, we, we see there there's a like a large amount of things. Uh, Compidex always has these cool overclocking shows. They have stage lights and smoke and and everything in it. Yeah, no, I, I love I, it. It's a yeah. it is it is it is a it is a smallest portion of our like our, our user base is quite large. So the overclockers are small, but they're extremely visible. Yeah, and of course they they push the very edge, and yeah. and and we're all about the edge as well. So it's it, it, they're they're an important part of us. Yeah, no, for me it's always fun. Like I said, I've been using 3D Mark for for you know close to two decades now, I guess. Um, and I've never really, like, I've always, you know, kind of been on the periphery just overclocking for more my own benefit, like you were saying, just to play games a little bit better on my hardware. But it's, it's always really fascinating to kind of see the, 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 the crazy lengths that people go to, to to get as high scores as possible and watching, you know, people use, you know, liquid nitrogen and all that kind of stuff to really, like, get just some outrageous, you know, types of numbers out of their systems and then kind of showing what they're able to do, like, you know, double the performance sometimes of, of, of a card that, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be able to get those kind of numbers with. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool as, as a fan of, of your, of, of the products that you guys release to, to see some of the, some of the things that, that those kind of users are able to pull out of them. So, um, yeah, and, uh, it's, it's good. It's good to know that the, even though like a lot, a lot of the hardware companies, they do employ overclockies just for the marketing effect of it, because yeah. it's like we said, it's cool. But also a lot of the stuff they do actually goes into research into new cooling technologies and cooling solutions for the future. So they, they do draw uh, innovation out of it as well. It's uh, some of, some of the, not the most outrageous solutions, of course, but, but there's a lot of things that they do uh, that eventually makes its way into consumer products as well in one way or another. Very, very cool. So. Yeah, I guess I guess moving on to, to, to VR Mark more specifically. So as someone that you know comes from just the the more g- generic PC gaming background that you know went from just playing normal games on normal monitors to eventually really getting into VR and starting this VR podcast, I was I was really excited to see when you guys you know uh, announced and then and then eventually released VR Mark, which is uh, you know as as some of our listeners may or may not know it's it's a benchmark that that UL benchmarks put out uh, specifically geared towards towards virtual reality and, and what the performance uh, for VR applications uh, it will be like. Um, if if you want to talk a little bit about what went into the development of, of VR Mark specifically and and kind of what you guys set out to do differently with VR Mark, uh, you know, as opposed to just uh, you know running 3d mark to, to test systems uh, you know for, for for those who are interested in vr yeah so we started vr development actually quite early in the cycle i think we spent like uh, almost two years on vr mark development uh, because 
<laughs> it's it's actually quite common in, in our industry to or our business specifically to be working on something that is so far in the future that while we're developing it keeps changing underneath us. Mm-hmm. And this also happened for VR uh, a lot, <laughs> which makes the development cycle very interesting. I, I uh, but the the primary reasons why we strove toward like a specific VR benchmark is that. Uh, even though it's free 3D rendering, there are, there are aspects in VR that don't make it themselves uh, visible in, in, in like 2D rendering. One is, of course, that you have to render the scene twice or produce two images for both eyes. Mm. The other one is, is you require an extremely high frame rate. Uh, mm. So you need to know, like effectively, you can, you can see that you, had, you have to do twice the work uh, at at least uh, 50% more speed. Uh, so to hit the 90 frame per second limit mm-hmm. and the resolution also needs to be higher like uh, a lot of people still game in 1080p mm-hmm. uh, but 1080p is nowhere sufficient for for vr so the performance requirements are actually quite high mm-hmm. uh, or excessively high uh, also the visual quality because of the various things you also need to do a pretty strong AA to make make sure that so MSA usually mm-hmm. uh, and all of this accounts to the fact that that to produce an image that people will enjoy in VR requires a significantly more performance than than like what you would imagine the same image would appear on a, like a traditional monitor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the aspects of like for producing the the stereo image where you render above eyes, there, there's all kinds of trickery and, and magic you can do to reduce the amount of work so you don't have to do everything twice. Mm-hmm. But it also takes away some effects that you, you're very traditional in games. There are traditional 2D games use a lot of post-processing effects that, that, that work with screen space. So they do some kind of a non-real effect on the screen that looks pretty good when you look at it. Mm-hmm. But these are all unusable in VR because they, they are not consistent across the eyes. And mm-hmm. since you see one eye, one image per eye, you, you would just not enjoy it. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the ex- extra high frame rate uh, also requires that the amount of latency that you have to spend uh, is, is so you have to produce frames at a really fast rate, which means that the amount of stuff you can do in them is, is limited. Also limits the amount of like gains you can get from things like Crossfire and SLI, because eventually you'll have to even if you have like let's say four cards, you still have to the the Vive for example is only connected to one of them, which means that all the other three need to move the image that they produced to what that one. Mm-hmm. And the transfer of the image alone is can take like three or four milliseconds, which doesn't sound like much, but the the at 90 frames per second you only have 12 milliseconds per frame to do. So mm-hmm. uh, the scaling for SLI effects is 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 is, is a lot more limited. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the also of course the design of the scene is is completely different uh, in in traditional uh, 2D rendering. Uh, the or, or 2D 2D displays, you imagine usually that you're looking through the for a lens, so you have lens-like effects like lens flares and whatnots. Mm-hmm. But in VR, there's supposed to be eyes, so so all such effects also go away, and and hmm. that that also changes the landscape quite a bit. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I I initially when I when I 
started, you know, VR, like when, when I was kind of prepping my system for, for the release of the Oculus Rift and the Vive, uh, I, I, I think I had started out with, with 980 Ti's at the time, um, and then kind of shifted over to, uh, I eventually shifted over just to using a single 1080 Ti just because it, it, you know, I, I'm not sure how many applications have actually utilized it, but I was interested in kind of the, the some of what NVIDIA was kind of touting with, with the, the 10 series as far as, like, uh, uh, um, different, like, projections and, 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 you know, being able to kind of, uh, you know, increase performance by, by not having to, uh, to, to render the scene. Uh, I, I, you probably know the details on, on some of that stuff a lot better than I do, but... Um, as as far as as far as limiting the the, the taxing you know uh, of the GPU uh, for rendering twice, I think the the projections kind of work differently or something. Uh, I, yeah, it's it's been kind of fascinating to see um, what the companies have been doing to kind of increase uh, VR performance, and I'm sure uh, you know some ideas that that the different hardware vendors have about what may or may not be useful. Um, sometimes pan out, sometimes they don't. Sometimes developers don't necessarily take advantage of them. And I know to some extent it, that probably uh, applies to all 3D graphics, uh, especially when you guys are, are trying to you know, make projections several years in the future as to how game developers are actually going to use hardware. But uh, you, had, you had kind of mentioned that VR specifically, since it is so new and, and is so different, and, and, and you talked a lot about you know, kind of some of some of those differences that uh, traditional game development has gotten accustomed to using that are no longer applicable. Um, what are I mean, so far, uh, what are some of the things that 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 maybe you guys thought initially were going to be uh, big big pushes or big draws in VR that maybe didn't pan out or. Or, or things that have kind of gone, have things gone generally in the direction that you guys were thinking, just as far as, as, as what the loads were going to be like, or, or with DirectX 12 and all, all these different, uh, have things been kind of different in VR than, than you guys were maybe anticipating? Or the, I think a lot of things panned out roughly the way we expected. Maybe maybe the most surprising thing that that we did not fully expect is that the the extremely high quality of the reprojection or time warp or space warp techniques mm. that that Vive and Oculus used. Mm. So originally, we're pretty expecting that that you would have to solve most of the problems in in VR by just throwing like more raw performance at it. Like I said, kind of expecting that like a really good like a VR experience maybe like a need of like a 8K per eye. Mm-hmm. resolution mm-hmm. and like 120 frames per second and it's it's an excessively high target to hit uh, but very quickly we realized that that uh, both oculus and, and and vive are able to do pretty much magic with the space warps and it, I, we conducted like internal studies with, with just our own staff on, on seeing that which one is preferable, mm-hmm. like a high resolution, high quality image that is actually pretty flow, low frame rate, but let, then let just space warp like fudge it for you mm-hmm. or actually a high frequency display with, with lower vi- image quality. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still prefer the, the better image quality, even though the frame rate was pretty low. Hmm. Interesting. This, this just talks to the, the, the quality of the, these techniques. I mean, it doesn't solve all cases, but it solves so many of them. 
that it actually has brought the accessibility of VR a lot closer than 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 we originally thought. Yeah, and also gives us like great hope for the future because the current generation is is I mean it's 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 a wonderful piece of technology, but. Mm. I, I would lie if I say I wasn't expecting uh, like an even further evolution with even higher frame rates and even higher resolutions. Yeah. Uh, if, if I look into the future a little bit, uh, all vendors are basically doing similar techniques uh, in foveation. So mm. foveation uh, in a nutshell is, is the idea that the human eye only looks at a certain part of the screen with with high degree of, of resolution and mm-hmm. everything else is slightly fuzzy mm-hmm. and there is actually no reason for the graphics card to render anything with high resolution other than that that part that you're looking at mm-hmm. so both uh, all vendors currently have some kind of a solution for this already they're pretty much uh, with the idea that you're looking into the middle of the screen mm-hmm. which is in vr cases is pretty common mm-hmm. But a future technologies, of course, will have some kind of an eye tracking solution or most likely will have an eye tracking solution, mm-hmm. which will then allow you to do this even smarter. So regardless of where you look, it always looks like you're looking at this wonderful maybe 4 to 8K resolution, but uh, everything in your peripheral is, is actually like super low quality and you can't even like it's it's pretty fuzzy. But if done correctly, and I've seen some solutions that are very good at it already, basically you will never be able to tell. But for the graphics card, this this can be an order of magnitude less work in many cases. Hmm. So you can really push for the super high quality things without actually having to brute force it all. And I, I was expecting that this would happen, but I, I think it's happening faster than than I really really thought it would. And it's 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 it, for for like a technologist such as myself. So I, we we we've been working with the latest technology for years. So we love all kinds of new cool stuff. Yeah, and I, I think this is this is a uh, wonderful solution for what what is an, like an extremely hard problem. But it's it's just that it's it's elegant. It's 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 a smart way to do exactly the right amount of work to produce all the stuff that you need, and then you can avoid the doing the stuff you don't really need. No, that's yeah, that's really interesting. No, and I've I, likewise I've been you know kind of following uh, you know the work that's being done with 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 foveated rendering and and kind of yeah making making things more efficient. I think especially moving forward, if we're going to have more and more uh, VR experiences where you're not necessarily required to be tethered to a, a full PC, it, it's super critical and important to be able to 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 make the the rendering. Uh, you know, as efficient and and low cost as possible, so that you can, you know, play these experiences on a wide variety of different types of hardware. So, yeah, because because right now, I mean, yeah, you you have to have the the beefiest system possible, and, and like you were saying, even then, uh, we're running at less than ideal. I think uh, you know situations than what would be preferred if we can if we can really uh, look more towards the future of of, of higher resolution displays and and. It, it, it's, it's interesting to hear that that in, in your testing that people are that the, the reproduction technology is, is is smooth enough to where uh, you know you're being surprised by what people are, are, are willing to kind of uh, sacrifice as far as performance goes in order to, to have the increased visuals because yeah that's that's something that uh, you always hear about uh, about people really being worried about performance and and, and barriers relating to, to nausea and, 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 and 
you know, frame latency being so critical. And, and, and I, I know it's still obviously critical regardless of, of those sacrifices, but it, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see kind of what developers choose as, as, as their, 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 their targets for what, what type of performance they, they want to hit on, especially some of these like more future looking, um, you know, applications of VR where maybe, maybe the resources won't be necessarily as, as brute force powerful as even, even what we're using right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, like, uh, um, it, it depends heavily on the content, on, on whether you can take like a lower frame rates or not. And yeah. of course, it's an individual preference, so I wouldn't say like everybody agreed. Sure. But I, I was definitely surprised because, of course, we're we're a company where people like deal with with things like frame rate all the time. Yeah. So uh, they're they're pretty easily can spot moments when frames are being dropped. Mm-hmm. But in in many cases, the the, the technologies they they work amazingly well. Uh, they they so they solve the problem that that is at hand uh, within the limitations they can in in an extremely well a good way. So and I, I think it's good for the industry because it's it's allowed them to push the the hardware requirements a bit lower. Uh-huh. Uh I I I think it's it's a, I mean the enthusiastic community that we we also serve like they they don't have a problem with but they have the PCs already for it. Yeah. But. For widespread adoption, of course, you want to push the the barrier for entry as low as possible. And uh, when when both the devices launched, it was it was quite high. Uh, it's, it's, it, again, it's not a hard problem for the PC gaming crowd or the people who love this kind of stuff. Yeah. But but to get it for mainstream, it really needs to come lower. Of course, every day, every year that has passed, the 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 thousand dollar PCs is always more powerful. Mm. But Ideally, you should be able to do it with, like I said, uh, untethered devices. Mobile devices have have VR, actually mm-hmm. pretty good VR even. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's all moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. As somebody that's that's you know been been building PCs and 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 working with 3D graphics for a long time. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see all of a sudden an application like VR that seemed to just be like hitting hitting the hardware in such a different and and more you know, intense way than I think a lot of, you know, the software has been recently. I mean, it, playing games at 4K is obviously super taxing, but it's it's such a different type of uh, taxing than than what this early versions, of, these early versions of VR have been. So it's, it, I don't know if you can speak to this a little bit, but what, something that you had mentioned kind of uh, made me think about it. I don't know if, it, on, on the software side of, of benchmarking and kind of engaging performance, do any of these new uh, wireless solutions that are coming out, I know like the Vive, for example, has uh, an official wireless adapter coming out soon uh, through their partnership with, with DisplayLink. And then there have been previous versions of, of similar kind of technologies that are, you know, that are already at market like TPCast and other, like do any of those types of uh, technologies where you're, you're beaming or, or, or compressing the video uh, from the PC over to the headset that those affect uh, did you guys try to try to look into some of, of the performance hits there as far as latency or or is that kind of outside of your purview so it is a bit outside our purview so the the primary design of ours is is that we we produce the the frame within the, the GPU itself so okay. the, the time it takes to, to move it from the display, uh, like uh, interface 
to mm-hmm. the display itself. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is actually possible to okay. monitor from inside the PC. The PC does not know when, when it actually ends up on screen. Okay. We, we have built for industry, we built a solution uh, that, uh, that uses like an external camera that actually looks at the display itself to evaluate the latency between the, the PC and the, the actual display. Uh-huh. But, uh, and it could be most likely used for, for this purpose as well. But it's not particularly something that we're, we're pursuing heavily on. So I, I am right now, I think all the beaming technologies and one of them basically just solve the, the like take the wire away and mm-hmm. just solve it there. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, I've, I've been predicting, let's see if I'm correct at some point, <laughs> that these kind of like a wireless technologies will be slightly smarter because you could transmit the data from the PC to the headset in a format that is not a 2D image. You could you could provide some of the, the 3D elements and then some of the, the rendering even could be done on the headset. Mm. And then it would reduce the amount of data that you need to transfer, which would push down the latencies. And then you could just do, do a bunch of the processing on the headset itself. Hmm. And most likely the, the net effect would be a win because the I, I, I do not believe that the image transfer approach will work when we're talking like, like 16K frames, for yeah. example, yeah. So would become too big. But I think it's a wonderful solution for the interim. Uh, I, I do know a lot of people that have been showing VR too over the years. Maybe usually the first thing that they say that that the the wire is really annoying. So yeah, yeah, no, definitely getting rid of the wire is is like however you do it right now is it's 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 gonna be a good thing. Huh. Well, that no, that's that's a really interesting prediction just as far as like kind of the hybrid because yeah, for me I you know I I think eventually you know standalone headsets will definitely uh, you know have hopefully have a big place on the market bigger than even now with, you know, the Oculus Go and some of these, these newer, you know, more mobile, uh, you know, ex- uh, experiences that you can have in VR. Uh, but, but the hybrid model actually sounds like a really interesting one where you're able to localize some of the processing in the, in the head-mounted display, but while also taking advantage of the increased processing power that, that you have, you know, with, with the PC as well. So that, that actually sounds like something that I'd be really interested in and, and seeing happen that that sounds really cool yeah the the the, the problem with it, the approach is that it, it take, puts more burden on the the developer because of course then you need to produce it in a specific fashion to, yeah. to get it out and it's also changed the paradigm of how you can approach rendering a little bit yeah but I think the end net end, end would be a win well we, we shall see huh no and, and that's also inter- yeah in, in addition to, to all those things you're saying I guess it would also I wonder how that would impact, uh, like, obviously right now we have multiple hardware manufacturers making different types of headsets, and I can, I can imagine that that would increase the, the workload as far as, you know, developing a, a title for one head, head-mounted display versus another if the technology doesn't line up exactly the same way. Yeah. So there's a, the, the, on that front, like there is an initiative from Kronos called OpenXR that's that's designed to unify the, of course, this is not the, the, the approach it just described, but the traditional approach that's currently being used. Yeah. To, so you only read to write once for, and it will work on, on Oculus and, and Vive and, and pretty much all the other guys as, as well. Okay. So the... I'm hoping that whatever the future of, of VR also will bring, will, will there there's going to be some kind of a unified API. It always happens that in the beginning when technology is, is booming, 
uh, like VR happened in this one. Everybody comes up with their own solution. And that's pretty much required because you can't wait for a common solution. Otherwise, your development slows down. Mm. But for the wide adoption for, for developers, I mean, if dev- developers have a hard time implementing for everything, it just means there's less content. And if there's less content, there's going to be less users. So getting like a common API, common frame way that, that you actually produce content is, is just a win for all. And I think everybody agrees to this. So, so I, I, I don't think that we'll see fragmentation. I think we'll more see like a people pulling together. Okay, no, that's 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 good to hear. So, because that's yeah, I totally agree, and and I, I think you see that more and more now. I mean, even with some of the early exclusivity and Oculus and different types of platform, like I mean, that still exists to some extent. Just the nature of the business, as far as you know, what it takes to get to get funding to to be able to create the projects that you're looking for, and 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 right now, I mean, it is sometimes hard to 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 be able to to recoup investments on some of these some of these you know bigger developed games, but at the same time, uh, yeah, you you see uh, things like Revive and, and other, and, and just in general, I think most of the, the big VR titles, fortunately, even even some of the console-specific ports, like you're seeing them being being ported or brought to all of the different platforms pretty regularly. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great to see that and, and also see the advantages of, of starting out on a PC. I think... Uh, VR is super exciting in terms of uh, what you know independent you know developers have been able to bring to the table, and, and some of the most interesting stuff that we see are from those smaller developers. So, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah on, on that one, I definitely agree. I mean, uh, on, on one level, like I know I've been hoping and I'm still hoping that that we would have like a, a big big VR title. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think VR needs it's it's like Wii Sports. Yeah. Uh, to really push it in the, the, the one title that that like is good enough that people will actually uh, paying for the hardware to buy it and yes. unfortunately i don't think we have that one right now yeah but on the other hand i i also do believe that we've seen the like uh, a really super well de- devised game for vr specifically and they they uh, a lot of them are, are still like a, some kind of a conversion of a traditional game into a vr space yeah. and uh uh they, they 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 usually just don't play out as, as well as you would. I mean, yeah. I've tried many many titles. I've, I've enjoyed a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I've yet to find the title that I can imagine that I spent like a hundred hours on. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I'm still that, waiting for that one. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, and and I mean part of that I think is also just the like I at least for me personally, you know, the idea of virtual reality versus the the execution and kind of the the, the, the real-world application of that is, is still a little bit, I think, there's still kind of a gap there as far as, like, like an experience that in my head sounds like, man, this would be amazing to spend, you know, 5, 10, 15 hours in, <clears throat> and, then, and then being hit with that reality that you have this, this kind of heavy-weighted device that's strapped to your face and you're stuck in it. And, like, some of those things, I think, will go away, hopefully, as the technology gets better and... And all, but at the same time, like like you were saying, it's 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 right now it's a combination of solving the hardware problems while also uh, wrapping our minds around the fact that VR is so different from from traditional media that we have. It's it's not you know it there's there are game applications that are awesome in VR, but you know VR really isn't just gaming technology and 
it's there's awesome film slash like kind of movie experiences that you could have in VR. But again, VR really isn't film. It's it's something completely unique and different. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see once the technology gets a little bit better, and then also once uh, developers and the people working in the VR space. Uh, once they're able to develop all the skills that are required to make good experiences, but then also once they're fully able to kind of free their minds of the possibilities of what VR can actually bring to the table, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think, and 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 it's exciting that I mean, I know you you've been in the industry for a while as far as you know seeing where PC uh, you know 3D graphics have kind of progressed over the decades, and this is different de- definitely kind of a like, did you ever think that, that we would be in this position? Like, maybe looking back, like, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years ago, did you, did you think that this was the direction that we'd eventually be pushing, or is this uh, something new? It, it is a bit new. So I, I think, like, the, the, the fact that VR came in was, was not a surprise. I mean, VR as a concept existed for a very long time. Yeah. I think what I, what, what I was a bit surprised at, it was commercialized, in, in a pretty fast fashion. So I, w- I was kind of expecting in the beginning it would be like a 10 grand, like a, a solution that, that random people would have that you would use for professional purposes only and they would exist in that fashion for a while. Mm-hmm. But from the moment when it was first talked, Oculus was first talked about the, the, the point where commercial solutions were on market, it was actually pretty short in, in this case. And, and the, the quality of the headset was, was actually very high. The hype was amazing. I mean, everybody was talking about VR. So I, it's that, that was definitely surprising to me. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I was, uh, I was, honestly, I was expecting that, that around this time after the launch, like a year or two later, it would be prevalent. Like everybody would have one or, or, or like at least everybody who considers them like a, like a true PC gamer, would, would have the a VR headset and you would maybe spend like at least some 10, 20% of your time mm-hmm. just playing VR games. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that part has not happened. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear that. Cause yeah, looking at the landscape now, you kind of are wondering, like, you know, a lot of us like more, you know, hardcore enthusiasts of VR are kind of looking at things and man, like what is it going to take to kind of reach that next milestone? What's it going to take to, to and, you, and you hear, you know, with a lot of the, the, the new the, the, the new groundbreaking kind of stuff that's going to be happening in the next couple of years as far as the hardware is concerned, like maybe some of that will kind of spur uh, yet another renaissance in, in VR. But yeah, it's interesting to kind of think back to, I mean, as, as recently as, you know, 2012, 2013, I mean, really the only places that you were seeing VR at all was, was more, you know, in these kind of boutique, more... Uh, commercial applications, you know, universities and theme parks and that sort of thing, and and in such a short time to go from 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 the the technology really not being accessible to to your average person to now really anyone that's kind of interested in dabbling can just can just you know pick up something for relatively cheap and go. It's 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 remarkable how how in a way how 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 quickly that's all happened, and it's it's just yeah, like you said, it's it you know, you just, it makes you wonder what it's going to take to, to, to hit that next level. And then if we are, you know, going to have those amazing experiences that are just kind of must haves, like you, yeah, it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. Like when, you know, are, is it the must have experiences that are going to, 
make everyone go out and buy the headsets or like what what's it going to take I guess to get the the ecosystem mature enough to produce a title like that because it's it's kind of a unique problem I think compared to how traditional video games kind of developed yeah yeah definitely like it's uh, I mean Nintendo hasn't done it like twice with Wii and, and now Switch mm-hmm. which is basically they, they, they produce the content and that that makes people buy the hardware yeah, but and that's so that that's at least in like a known way to to solve it. Uh, but for them, of course, the price point is, is a lot less, and they sell everything. So you just go to the store, buy, then and that's it. Yeah, uh, for, yeah. for VR, you like uh, you buy the headset, you buy the PC, you set it up. Like even even setting it up can can be a bit of a chore if mm-hmm. if you like not dabbled in the PC stuff before. Yeah. Uh, the other solution, of course, it could be just that it grows over time. So it can, can slightly become like the internet, which just slowly grew into this thing that everybody uses. It didn't have like its moment when, when suddenly like everybody, like, like, no, I have to get on the internet. It's just like slowly progressed to that point. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and something... Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a, like, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm really looking forward to that, that, that killer app title. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that 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 would take the place. Maybe maybe like an indie game would come out that is has a, like a really cool innovative solution that it, it doesn't have to be super like uh, graphically intensive either. It can be just like that. It's it's the design is is awesome and yeah. uh, that would be enough that that people then again you show it off to your friends. You see it everywhere. There's articles about it. people want to try it out. Yeah. And as as soon as the adoption is there, I know the the large game publishers today. I mean, the the adoption of VR is not sufficient for the really big publishers to throw their lot in. Yeah, the budget is so high for a, like a, a big big budget game that even if you sell one to everybody who has a VR headset, you won't make your money back. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure that they would. I mean, it's it's untapped territory in the sense that this is a whole new playing field. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're not killing it in console, maybe you could be killing it here. Yeah. So opportunity is great. Uh, people are just slightly worried of, of, of taking the leap, but eventually someone yeah. will. No, cause, and, and like you said, I mean, people are always looking for new ways to sell hardware and to n- new ways to kind of you know create a niche for yourself. And I feel like VR definitely is a way to 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 make people continue to want to have the latest and greatest technology and 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 any any place where there's you know, interesting problems to solve and, and that sort of thing will always kind of, you know, even if the money isn't necessarily there, I think I've seen a lot of excitement as far as, you know, engineers, developers, all that are just in it for, you know, kind of solving this next tier of, of, of exciting problems, right? And, and, and that in and of itself is, 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 is exciting because you hope that, you know, through kind of, you know, solving that, those issues and kind of, you know, engaging with that frontier that hopefully that will yield, you know, financial results in the long term. Yeah, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm very sure it will. Like, uh, there's so many, like, uh, it, let's say if, if the VR headset was extremely light and portable and you could carry it in your pocket, uh, for example, like, why would your laptop need a screen at all? Yeah. Like, your laptop could be nothing but the, the computing unit and keyboard. That's yeah. it. No, that's a good... Same, same thing, like, uh, like I had free displays on my desk right now yeah why would you need any of them if, if i had a vr headset that was was 
like a sufficiently high quality. Mm-hmm. I could have to have the displays anywhere I want. I could have them move any size, any orientation, or just have the things like floating in the air as I, as I choose. Yeah, so like a, it has the potential to change the world or the way we, we operate with computers and devices. Uh, of course, there's AR that, that can also solve a bunch of these problems, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I no think the, the short-term VR is, is, is it, it's, it's a lot easier technical problem to solve than AR. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of thinking that VR will, still has a, like a good, good way to show itself. And of course, for immersive technology, like uh, entertainment, it's, it's still superior to AR. No, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I I totally agree. And yeah, regardless of what the technology, what form it ultimately ends up taking, whether that, you know, whether it's VR, AR, X, like, I mean, there's people are throwing all kinds of, you know, terms out there as far as, you know, trying to categorize what this stuff is now. But yeah, long term, it's these concepts of being able to, to, to render these realistic worlds and, and be able to, to augment you know, the, what you're able to see around you use, like, like you were saying, uh, you know, be able to kind of seamlessly uh, tap into processing power to enhance our everyday lives, like all of those things, whether it, whether it be enclosed in VR or, you know, an enhancement like AR, like these are all ideas that are powerful enough to where once they're implemented well, like it's, it's not something that uh, when people, when people look at VR and, and wonder if it's going to be a fad or if it's, if it's something, I, I don't think it's as simple as that because it's the underlying ideas and, 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 and technologies here that I think no matter what happens with, with the industries themselves, they're, they're powerful enough to impact, you know, our lives going forward. They're not going to go away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's maybe like a, I've sometimes described that it's, it's kind of like audio control uh, that you use. Like a lot of people still today, you say that the, the ones in phones or, or Alexa or, or Siri, they're pretty limited mm-hmm. and don't work really that well. But I don't think anybody kind of assumes that it's, 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 it's a bad idea. It's going to go away in a bit. Every, the expectation is it's just going to improve to the point where just you use it and it works like magic. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe like VR and AR and MR, all these are kind of similar solutions. So it's, just, it's not going to go away. Yeah. It's just going to improve uh, to the point where it becomes from a, a thing that only a few people use to a thing that people can always expect that it's there. Yeah, yeah. No, because kind of, I mean, that, that's a, I think the Siri and, and Alexa and all of those are a great example of that. It's not, it's, it's maybe not the idea itself that's a bad one. It's, it's sometimes the execution that doesn't live up to your expectations. So it's when it's when you expect it to respond a certain way, and maybe right now it's not, you know, it's not reacting the way you you envision it in your mind. But it's just a matter of time before all of those things line up properly once once things are more developed. And and likewise in in VR, AR, all of these all of these things, I think you know you can pull anyone off the street in and and explain to them what this stuff is. And everyone's going to get excited, and then it's the degree to which people, I think, are able to to overlook some of the deficiencies that we're, you know, kind of suffering through right now in early stages of development, to whether they're ready to adopt it now or or or, or wait to see to see it more in the future. Like it's it's again hard going back to what you were saying before about um, you know what people are willing to put up with as far as like 
image quality versus latency and performance and all of that. Like, it's interesting to me to see uh, people that have no experience playing games whatsoever, uh, where if, if I bring them to my apartment and have them play a game, let's say, let's say a, a pretty great-looking PC game running at 1080p versus 4K, um, they might not see much of a difference. They might not be able to tell anti-aliasing is applied or not. They might not, but those same people that wouldn't be able to see the difference between like a, a 1080p versus 4K a native game running on, on a nice screen, you put them in a VR headset and the first thing that they're noticing is, oh, it doesn't look as sharp as, as what I want it to look like. Or, you know, like, like it's, it's funny how, how these, uh, how people that don't even, that aren't even accustomed to, to looking at these like small nuances that, that we tend to look at as, as kind of the more hardcore PC uh, users, um, how your average person is, is bringing these high expectations to VR because it's such a natural uh, extension of, I guess, what they're already accustomed to. So it's- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. The the idea of like looking in VR, it's it's like maybe it's curses that it's 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 sufficiently close to being so good mm-hmm. that you can immediately notice even even like you said even a, like a novice can immediately tell the points where it's not because some of the aspects are are so good. Yeah. I think this is actually like a like VR games look really really good uh, by and large. Yeah. But most like VR movies uh, do not because people regularly like if you go to the movie theaters the screen quality is awesome. You may have a 4K TV at home mm-hmm. or you have a, like a super high DPI display on your phone. Mm-hmm. So even if you're watching just Netflix, the picture quality is crisp and off uh, like awesome all the way. Yeah. But VR movies, by and large, because it's just the display quality, it's, 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 it's high resolution, but not high enough for, to, to, to have the display so close to your face. Mm-hmm. And if you have any kind of like a frame rate deviation, that the frame rate is 30, when the display is actually 90, you see some jitters. Like, you can immediately tell it's, it's, it's not as good as what I would expect to watch from my home TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell it even more readily than you can from a game. And this is... a. Uh, uh, a bit unfortunate, so I'm kind of hoping that that like an upcoming like a VR movie will solve this by by just doing it right. Because of course you can you can sidestep these problems by by just doing smart design. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've yet to see that. Maybe I, I was it so that Cameron is doing the next Avatar in in VR. I'm not like, sure. I, I think I heard some something about that. Yeah, or at least or, I have like a vague memory. Uh, but like the reason why I brought it up is is that. The first Avatar was the first 3D movie I actually enjoyed. Like I, I found it that this, this for the first time 3D was like 3D movie was done correctly, yeah. and it didn't irritate me. So maybe that will be the first VR movie that yeah, will no, then. I'm, I'm trying it. to think it was either that or maybe he he made some kind of a comment like if I wasn't working on 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 certain films right now, like what I would be looking at would be like experimenting with VR or something. Like yeah, just in general, I think a lot of uh, you know creatives are really interested in the medium once once it kind of gets going they people see the potential so uh, yeah yeah the the potential is like i've seen many many cool like vr attempts for this but like i said in the 
it's 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 a bit sad we're watching it for a little bit and then it's like feels that this this just does not feel sharp and and and, and clean yeah and yeah I, I think because it's, we're we've just been spoiled by the fact that high quality screens in 2d are so readily available everywhere mm-hmm. no i i agree and and it's interesting that you you bring up the example of even a, a kind of a simple a more simplistic like vr gaming experience could be you know what we're looking for as far as like kind of a a, a system seller type type product. I mean, one of the, the closest examples I've seen of that, you know, was the recent release of Beat Sabers, which is, you know, a, a, a fairly simple game, like on, you know, as far as just the game mechanics and, and visual design and all of that. I mean, it's not, it looks really good, but it's it's fairly simple compared to some of these, you know, more AAA titles that you play in traditional uh, PCs and, and, and consoles. But at the same time, it had uh, you know, a profound effect and influence, I think, on, in terms of, like, people on in the VR market. I mean, you saw people just going crazy over it, and it's, ultimately it's just because it's fun and it, and it works well with our, with our current platforms now. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully more titles like that that can get people's attention and excitement. You see more and more titles like that. Hopefully uh, more and more people will start to, to be interested in trying it out. Yeah, they're definitely like a. I said it before, but like a Nintendo sold Wii on Wii Sports, and it was not because they had excellent graphics or, I mean, they they, they were subpar to PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty at the time. Yep. But the 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 masses don't care. They just wanted the good experience, and it gave them that. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And and it's easy, you know. That's I, I think that's the biggest yeah. thing right now. I think I think that's why I think standalone. Headsets will it really will have the potential uh, to 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 bring more people to the 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 VR market just because you know your average person right now doesn't really have the experience of building a PC or or or, or operating like a, a high powered PC. It once once I think those some of those barriers are removed, then hopefully it'll be easier and easier for people to join. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and of course, like uh, the. It will also make its way because eventually, of course, I, I fully see that like an like a immersive, like almost uh, like like a triple A title game or almost realistic looking graphics is, is definitely the direction that we're pushing for. Mm-hmm. We're just not there yet. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, I'm as as I'm sure you've seen from from your work at Futuremark and now UL uh, Benchmarks. I mean, the the progress that we've made in, in the last couple of decades is, is crazy when it comes to how realistic you're able to render these scenes. And I mean, yeah, there's only so much you can take advantage of some of that stuff on traditional hardware. So VR is a, is a great way of showing off how far we've came, but also how far we have to go in order to kind of achieve the, the greatest potentials of, of some of the stuff that we're, that we're doing. Yep, Definitely. So yeah, I guess just to circle back to, to VR Mark a little bit before we kind of you know try to close this thing out, um, uh, you know, yeah, looking, I, you had kind of briefly mentioned to me like in the current um, state of the benchmark, um, you know, what different tiers of, of performance levels the benchmark's able to test for. You had mentioned, I, I think, you know, uh, like one one tier of, of of the demo, the, the orange level um, being made primarily for current, uh, current uh, you know, testing current hardware for the Vive and, and the Rift. 
uh, but then also there were different modes within the benchmark to uh, test for DirectX 12 applications as well as kind of you know higher resolution, more future looking um, applications of VR. I, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit more about VR Mark specifically and where you see that application going in the future as a VR uh, uh, progresses. Yeah, so the like you mentioned, so we have the the VR Mark Orange Room that we specifically created back in like uh, I think it's almost a year and a half ago. And it was really designed to answer the question, is my PC VR ready? So at the time when Oculus and Vive were coming up, this was a thing that people were wondering mm-hmm. because the both gave the main spec, but of course in PC, the main spec is always somewhat uh, confusing because like there, there are many vendors and you can reach the main spec with different variations. Yeah. Uh, if you have a higher CPU, will it, will it, that does that mean that you can have a, like a lower GPU and that kind of thing? So we designed a benchmark specifically for the purpose that you can run it on your PC and figure out if you're ready for VR. Uh, and it basically t- told you, can you hit 90 frames per second on, on, on both Vibe and Oculus consistently? Quick, quick question and, uh, on, a quick question on that for not to interrupt you, but I was kind of curious, like as far as um, when you guys were gauging the performance of those, the, you know, the headsets that have been released already, um, it, did you guys get a chance to look into it all? Like I know, Sometimes the, the complexities of, of PCs in general tend to manifest themselves a little bit more in VR given kind of the, the, you know, the, the, the nature of the beast as far as looking for low latency and high frame rates and all of that. Like, like as far as like complications that arise with, with different USB uh, configurations or, or different monitoring softwares in the background that kind of add hiccups to the process. Like I just know in general... Um, performance doesn't always seem as straightforward to get to um, for VR applications as opposed to normal, you know, traditional applications. So like, do, do you guys run into any of those kind of problems? Do, do you try to try to try to measure those kind of things in the benchmark or not really? Uh, I was just kind of curious. So we we did run into a bunch, uh, but of course a bunch of it could be that because we're working with pretty early prototypes for an extended time. So I, I like I have to admit I don't remember if we how, how many we ran into with with the final solutions. Okay. Uh, the design of the benchmark is really to limit itself to inside the PC stuff. So okay. peripherals, USBs, and that kind of things, we can just then assume that that they they would work. We. We did think about like whether we should test those as well, but like functional testing is, is usually and has been the outside the realm of what we do. So we, we just aim to measure performance. Okay. No, that's a, like I said, just a question I had because I, I know those can those kind of issues can arise sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember setting it up multiple times on, on multiple computers and it, it was not always super smooth. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's a mystery. Like the, the thing about it is sometimes it's like you don't know why you're having the issues you're having, which is like a like on paper, maybe everything looks like it's going to run fine. And then just oddly, some random system just won't run the way you think it should or yeah, there's there's a bunch of settings. I, I think the, the the situation is better now. But I remember like at the at the moment of launch and, and slightly before launch, there are definitely things that you could do to to cause uh, undesirable effects on your frame rate that that you then just had to like remember. Oh yeah, if this is on at the same time as this other thing is on, then your frame rate is half. Yeah. Ugh. 
But yeah, anyway, so yeah, so not, yeah, yeah. not trying to interrupt yeah. you, but so continue. So I think you just yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. So, the so orange so, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So orange room specifically designed for that one. It does have a, like a sliding scale, just like a traditional benchmarks. Uh, which means that a higher score is still better, but it's really designed to be uh, like answer the question: Are you ready for VR or not? And 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 the min spec was set whatever it was at at the moment when when Vive and Oculus launched. Uh, of course, the the specs have a little bit changed since then, but it's still a very good like a, like a general view of of whether you can do it. And the the first test that that tells you just yes or no kind of thing it's 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 uh, it's free. Like our traditional with our benchmarks, there's always always a free trial version you can run. Uh, that uh, answers this specific question. Okay. Then yeah, after that one, we produced like two new uh, versions. So we what we call the VR Mark Blue Room. This was a, like an idea that we shot to see what is the the future of VR devices. And so we produced content intentionally, like that's forward looking quite a bit. So the the effects that we threw in were, are quite expensive. There's a lot of content. It's really like a high, high-end PC game, and we even run it at 5K resolution with the anticipation of like a, a future headset that will run at over 4K resolutions. Mm-hmm. It's a it, it, like we freely admit that it's a, the, the the it's it's excessive, uh, <laughs> or it was excessive at the time of launch. It's 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 almost reasonable <laughs> at yeah, this yeah. time, but at the time it was it was intentionally made excessive, and one of the reasons. For this one is is that VR headsets have V-Sync on. So V-Sync is 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 uh, uh, vertical sync, mm-hmm. which means that you cannot render at faster than the display refresh rate. So if the display refresh rate, like in headsets, is 90, mm-hmm. if you can do 90, you cannot do more, which effectively means that there is a maximum score for the benchmark. Okay. Uh, if you hit 90, that you can get more. Even if you fear it could do like 200, you still get 90. Got it. So for this reason, we made the, the Blue Room so heavy that nothing on the market or in the foreseeable market would hit 90, which means that we could always measure uh, uh, like the, the difference between devices because nobody would be hitting the so-called max score. Got it. You can avoid this this effect by basically running the benchmark. We, of all the benchmarks also you can run without the headset. Mm-hmm. Then the rendering is done exactly the same way, but just instead of sticking it on the... Uh, HMD, you put it on the PC display, and then then there's no limit. But uh, we wanted to be able to also do the benchmarking in the HMD mode. Okay. But yeah, the the blue room is 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 quite impressive. So um, if if you have a chance to look at it, I I I recommend that people do. The it's also a pretty good idea because the the frame rate is going to be low. Uh, and this is one where you can also alter the resolution, uh, so you can drop the resolution to a low setting, and then uh, this is the one I did the study with internally with with our forty odd guys Got it. Uh, of seeing like what people prefer the five K resolution with a low frame rate or like a like a two K resolution with a smooth frame rate. So you can you can try it for yourself to see which which one you prefer. Definitely. Yeah. The 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 last one that we we reduced uh, or introduced that was uh, about. A year ago, okay. slightly less than a year ago, is is called the sign room, and like you mentioned, it's 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 uh, basically VR done in DX12. So for those not in the business, so Microsoft introduced DX12 uh, three years ago, and it's it's basically just a new way to approach graphics programming. It's a more low-level programming approach. It gives more control to the developer, also more responsibility for the developer. And you can you can get closer to the hardware. You can program a bit smarter. 
and 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 in in the end you can also produce better value okay. so we it it offers a bunch of technologies that are pretty good for vr use specifically and that's why we wanted to do a, a dx12 benchmark there i think there are now some dx12 applications on the market i think at the time of the launch there's n- there were no dx12 vr games yet wow. okay. but we really really see that 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 that's going to be the future like i said it is more effort for the developer so it, it takes a while for the developers to move on to this especially since like as we discussed at length vr is already a a, a platform for which development is, is, is it's hard to recoup your investments yeah. but it, it does allow you to do things that are beneficial so though this is definitely like the the the, the long-term thing so eventually everybody's going to move to it but we already have a benchmark for it and it's specifically again we're looking to show people what you can do with dx12 like for example like a crossfire sli uh, is, is works much better than than it did with dx11 mm. and the other thing is is that it reduces the amount of cpu you have to use so that you can you can you can you don't you're not quite as easily limited with the with the cpu this is like a traditional problem with dx11 versus dx12 is that dx11 uh the cpu bottleneck is, is actually quite high yeah, or the cpu v- is actually quite high yeah i mean it seems like it's impacted even more in vr because you're running so many more processes just yeah like, so that yeah it can it can yeah it's and it's, it's dx11 in many cases is single core dependent so so like as, as soon as one of your courses is the driver the one the driver uh, like takes if, if that's filled up it doesn't matter if you have lots of other cores your game will still slow down okay. so the the future is is definitely dx12 or vulcan uh, so vulcan of course is is, is something that that especially uh the valve guys are pushing heavily that they're, they're kind of like similar but slightly different approaches to the same problem mm. and uh but it's it's definitely that that's the direction everybody wants to go okay. for the future like uh, of course we we're never standing still we actually just launched uh a vr mark for mobile okay so we have a vr mark solution for daydream and 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 cardboard and also for gear vr though i i don't think that's available for consumers okay and uh it's it's it does like a similar approach but just for mobile phones um there the rooms are indigo amber and color i forget which is really really sad for me marketing <laughs> kill me when they hear this uh but uh, the the approach is the, the the same so we have a like a, a daydream ready level so we just test test if your phone is, is ready for a daydream or can can produce the the frame rate required for a daydream readiness and another one that then is designed to benchmark pretty much any phone but but similar approach similar functionality and uh, and, and similar design and uh, the future future for both both the mobile and uh, and and the desktop is is the one I mentioned already is is really the foveated rendering. So that's that's where we're going to introduce next uh, in a benchmark, a yet unnamed and unscheduled, <laughs> or or can't share exactly when. But that's sure. that's that's definitely the future where we want to go to. So all the vendors are pushing for this. Uh, it, it makes sense for for all, all things concerned and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like the next technical step for like on the software side for, for VR. Awesome. Okay, well, perfect. And uh, when you mentioned software side, as far as uh, I don't know how much you can say about like foveated rendering and its applications like on current hardware, but is that more something to look forward to in the future or is that something that that people can potentially look 
forward to taking advantage of on current hardware? So, so all current hardware supports foveated rendering in one way or another. So okay. even even most mobile uh, hardware has some kind of a foveated rendering. The, what, what, it, what they don't do is that they're all kind of different. Mm. So they, they, they solve the same problem in different ways, which... Okay. Of course, from a development point of view, is is is, is taxing. From benchmarking point of view, is is kind of quite hard because you can't do fair comparisons. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would hazard to say that that future solutions of hardware will 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 just do smarter ways around it. So it will be even more improved. Got it. Okay. Well, awesome. Well. Yeah, thank you so much for taking that. And and for for people out there that are interested in you know trying out VR Mark themselves, you mentioned that there's a free version of the software. There's also you know the paid version of the software. What's where's where can everyone uh, on the various platforms find uh, find your applications and, and learn more about what UL Benchmarks is up to? So the our, our website is uh, benchmarks.ul.com. But uh, most, uh, like if you're in the PC gaming uh, business, like then all our stuff is on Steam. So that, that's that's the the most easiest way to get both the the, the paid versions and also the demo versions. Okay, and, and what would you? I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you'd recommend anyone picking up the the paid versions. But what are uh, like, what are the best applications for running the free version versus the paid app? So the the pay, the the paid app gives you like in all 3D Mark PC Mark and VR Mark the paid app app gives you more tests. So like the the free version just gives you one, gives you the option to fiddle with the settings so, so you can try out different different approaches, and 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 also gives you like new testing modes. Like for example in 3D Mark we have a stress test mode that that tests the stability of your PC. Uh, seeing if if you can you're able to maintain the frame rate for consistency. Uh, this is quite interesting in laptops if you're overclocked or if you're just yep. suspecting that your computer may be experiencing difficulties. Yeah. So we, we offer like a, a little bit of things. And if if you like data or, or PC stuff in, in general, we produce like a large amount of system information and, and, and specific result data to minutia yeah. for, for everything for, for people who want to play around with that stuff. No, I, I know all that stuff was is super helpful to me. Like even like like you were mentioning the stress testing in particular. Like sometimes, especially if you're trying to to reach if you're if you're kind of on shaky grounds as far as how stable your system is, rather than just running the benchmark one. Even if you're able to get through it once, you might not be able to get through the benchmark for an entire hour. Which, like for example, like you know you want the you, you want to be able to know if if you're going to run into problems. You know. In, during hour two of playing a, a game and you don't always notice that right away from like a, a shorter five minute so like yeah all those things at least have been super yeah yeah, for me, yeah, so. yeah yeah if, if you have like a thermal issue it can easily be that your like performance goes down gradually and then you just like you, you get this feeling that man i i swear this game used to run better and yeah. now, now it's slugging behind and it, it <laughs> in some cases it can be that it's true yeah. Oh, and just as a shameless plug, I don't, I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but we're on sale on Steam and the summer sale, seventy yeah, percent no, off. So this is the right time to be purchasing. Yeah, I think normally the normally uh, VR mark is like twenty dollars, and I think right now what is it? It's like five ninety nine or uh, yeah, it, un, yeah, until I think it's it's uh, July fifth, correct? Yeah, I, th I, I think so. Yeah, it is until the end of the the Steam summer sale. I I think that's the fifth. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it is too. I, I'm I'm not 100% sure yet when we're going to put this up, so we might try to put it up, you know, before the Steam sale's over with. Um, if not, yeah, anyone... Uh, the software in Steam goes on sale at different points. So, like, yeah, if you guys, if this, if you're listening to this and the Steam sale is is already done and over with, um, you know, definitely uh, be on the lookout. Like, add VR Mark to uh, to your to your wish list or your watch list in, in Steam, and 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 if you're interested, you know, pick it up at a later point as well. So yeah, it's well worth the money at full price too. Just, just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as with all the VR titles that we recommend okay. during these Steam sales, so like I, I awesome. totally, I totally agree. So, well, anyways, th- thank you again uh, so much for for talking to me, Ani. I, I really appreciated all of your uh, insights and, and and kind of you know background and, and and what you guys are doing at UL Benchmarks. And uh, yeah, look forward to staying in touch. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye.